Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Kim Edelman is the author of Making It Big in Shorts, The Ultimate Filmmaker's Guide to Short Films the third edition of which will be published in January of 2017. She currently teaches low-budget filmmaking at UCLA Extension, and UCLA X named her Entertainment Studies Instructor of the Year in 2014 and honored her with the Distinguished Instructor Instructor Award in 2016. And Carol, I understand that Kim is published by Michael Weesey, who is also your publisher. Yes, Claire, Michael Weesey has the best books on filmmaking on the planet. And Kim, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, I'm thrilled. And I'm a big fan of your book as well. Oh, thank you so much. How kind of you. Well, I understand from reading your book that the 19 short films you produce for Fox's movie channel, FXM, won 30-plus awards, and it played at over 150 film festivals, including the Sundance Festival four years in a row. So that's an incredible amount of talent that you've got. And I know our listeners want to know how you did this, and that's what we want to cover today. Uh, In this brilliant third edition, you say, if you take nothing else away from this book, keep these three words in mind, and you'll do fine. Shorter, faster, cheaper. So please explain why these three words are so important. Well, in short films, you think the word shorter would be obvious, wouldn't you? But in fact, so many people make really long short films, and there's really no need. That sucks up so much money, and really the answer is 10 minutes or less, or maybe even 12 minutes or less, are really ideal for short films. Nobody wants to see a 20-minute long or a 30-minute long short film. And then faster, because the beautiful thing about shorts versus features is that you really can make a short film today, tomorrow. You know, you don't have to wait years trying to raise funding. Um, So I'm a big believer in make your short film now. Uh, The films we made, we shot them all within one or two days each. Um, And I believe, I'm a firm believer in that. And then lastly, cheaper, uh, short filmmaking, unlike feature filmmaking, shouldn't cost you a lot of money. <laughs> and that's well, my so point. How do, you, how do you make it cheaper? I mean, do you ask friends for favors? I mean, I'm sure they'd get tired of you after the fourth or fifth time. So uh, <laughs> how do you do that? Well, that is absolutely true. And, and that is why I don't think you need to make four or five shorts. I mean, I was lucky because I was making short films for a movie channel that was paying for us to do it. And we shot these on 35 millimeter films and they were actual real productions. But for most short filmmakers, do only do one or two shorts. And yeah, you have to ask friends to help you for free. And you have to think of ways that you can do it where you're not going to spend a lot of money. Right. Uh, th- that's the number one thing. Well, I, this is going back to Cassavetes because um, 
actually, I sold raw stock to him back in the <laughs> early 70s, you know. And his uh, modus operandi was that he would say, okay, what have we got? Well, we've got a house. We've got a club. Uh, somebody owns a club down in Hollywood. We'll use that. We'll use somebody's uh, mountain home. And we've got cars and we've got what, what. And then he would build a script around that. That's exactly how you do it in a low-budget way. We now call that organic filmmaking. <laughs> okay. You're taking the things that are around you locally that you have access to, and you're using that to build your story. And, and in the same way, he was very freed by that and could make really films that he felt very excited and passionate about. Short filmmakers can do that as well. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it takes. He wanted to keep the camera moving and going for a long time to get as many takes as he could and have everything he wanted, and and that was expensive. So his real big cost was raw stock, camera rental, and then he, I think he helped with most of the editing. So, yes, it was the production cost. That's what he had to uh, cut down on. And that's well, why we're and, so lucky to, to, today, because today we're shooting it digital, so there's no problem in taking as many shots as you want. And you're editing, hopefully not yourself, but quite often yourself on your home computer. So It's fabulous. If, if people knew today how hard it was 20 years ago to make a film, they couldn't believe it. They're living at the right time, I tell everybody. This is the perfect I time for you. filmmaking. Well, but you say that in this era in which anyone with a smartphone can be a filmmaker, you can't invest your time, money, and dreams of glory in the theory that if you build it, they will come. You need to know how to make a short that will attract viewers and launch a career. So how would you suggest doing this? Well, just to back up for a second, I do believe everyone in the short uh, is making a film with their smartphone or with a borrowed camera. And we always like to share the statistics from the Sundance Institute because everyone always applies to the Sundance Film Festival. So you get kind of a nice sense of how many people are making short films. So this year to the Sundance Film Festival, 8,712 short films were submitted. Oh my gosh! That's in one. I know that's in one year. That's how many short films were made around the world. That you know, obviously more were made that didn't submit to Sundance, but it's a pretty good number to keep in mind. And of those eight thousand seven hundred twelve, only seventy-two were selected to go into the festival. So it gives you an idea of what kind of competition you're up against in terms of how many people are making short films. So how do you stand out amongst those eight thousand people? And the answer is what Sundance is looking for and what everybody is really looking for is something that's unique and special and that there's kind of a voice behind the film that you can sense that there's real passion behind it and really most important that it's not amateurish, unless that's intentionally what you're trying to be, amateurish. All right, so unique and special and showing real passion, which is and the story. It has to be a dynamite story, right? Well, you know, it, it does, but also the beautiful thing about short filmmaking is sometimes experimental does extraordinarily well. We can do all kinds of different things, and if you're short enough, if it's just even a moment that's really interesting and special, people will pay attention, but story does count for an awful lot, obviously. Right. Okay, so in other words, out from 8,712, 72, that's less than 1% were selected. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah, 
it is amazing. Uh, so, I mean, I'm surprised that people keep trying, but they're not going to give up, right? They just keep trying for Sundance. Well, the nice thing is, you know, everyone thinks, why not? And I think you, as a short filmmaker, you should, because it's very hard to judge your own work. And just because you don't get into Sundance doesn't mean your film is not good, because, again, the odds are really against you. And it could be uh-huh. that somebody else, you know, that just for unknown reasons your film wasn't one of the 72 selected. Um, but oh, all short filmmakers have to feel that what they made was the most important thing in the world and needs to get out there and seen by people. Well, let's start with some of the major stumbling blocks to making short films. So what do you say those are? Well, you know, again, by seeing this, that there are so many people making them, there's really nobody stopping you from making a short film. You don't need a license or a diploma. And as a result, people just do it, which I think is great. I'm a big believer in go ahead and make it. But it does result in a lot of stumbling blocks. And I think if I had to narrow it down to three big things that are really a problem for everybody... Number one would be a lot of people are just too ambitious for the, the money that they have and their skill level. So that's obviously a huge stumbling block. The second thing I'd realize, think is a lot of people talk about making a short film, uh, but not actually making one. And then when they actually try to make it, they're not prepared for what they're actually going to be doing. And then the third thing I think people stumble on, of course, is usually the production. <laughs> that they uh, suffer from the two things that I think kill most productions, which are bad acting and bad sound. Oh, that's what you think killed the most productions, Act bad acting and bad sound? Yeah, I think it's for Kill. both shorts and features, actually, in the low-budget world. Right. I totally agree with you. I'm on board with you about the sound. For I noticed you have one whole chapter devoted to that, and it certainly deserves it. But bad acting, too, will pull you right out of a film. So, uh, so all right, so let me uh, reiterate here. So one of these is that they're too ambitious, and so they're not, and they're not prepared. And so, what is it when when you say not prepared? They're not ready for the production and how to get people on the set and get the film made. Is that it? Yeah, you just kind of jump in, like, oh, let's go ahead and do it without really thinking about what you're really taking on. And sometimes that's great and results in you know a, a lucky miracle. But more often, what that results in is a terrible disaster. <laughs> And that's where I think a lot of short films fall in becoming very amateurish. Well, do you, when you teach, do you tell them to make a, a, a Bible and set up their shots that they're going to be shooting? I, I am Storyboard? a believer in thinking about what you're actually going to shoot. Because uh-huh. it's a film at all levels, shorts and features, is a very visual medium. So, you know, it is very important to think about what you shoot. As you mentioned, story is so important. Some people jump in and start shooting before their story is really solid or they're not sure what they really want to say or do. They just uh-huh. you know, go in and like, let's shoot something. Here it is. I made it. It's a masterpiece. Tell me I'm fabulous. Where in reality is like, well, if you had spent more time really thinking about what you wanted to do, thought about your story more, thought about your shots more, hired better actors, had better sound, it would have been a million times better. Right. Okay. All right. So uh, let's talk about um, your film. You say that your film brands you. The film you make brands you. And if you want to make a feature, what do you suggest filmmakers do? Definitely that is one of the big things that short films do. It's kind of a calling card for what you can do as a filmmaker. So it's really kind of important to think of, well, what did I make and what does that say about me in the future? 
And I know so many short filmmakers who, for example, made a short film with a dog, and then everyone was like, oh, well, he makes films with dogs. And it's like, no, that wasn't what he wanted to do with his life. It just so happened that short had a dog. Or, you know, they made a short film that was a comedy, and then, but what they really want to do is a big dramatic feature. And nobody who they meet will take them seriously because they think, oh, you're a comedy person. So I think it's really important that you take a moment and really think about where you want to go with your career and more films you want to do. And one way you can think about kind of honing in on what your personal taste is is to maybe make a list of feature films that you've really liked and what those have in common um, and then try to put yourself in that arena. So, again, if you really love dramas, maybe you should really make a dramatic short. Oh, that's a great idea, to make a list of the films that you like and then put them together and see what they have in common. That bring out a, a lot of yeah, information I'm, about you and your personality and what you like, wouldn't it? I really believe it helps. Yeah, I think that's a great suggestion. Well, uh, in your book, Making It Big in Shards, you say that to think like a short filmmaker uh, during the book several times. So tell us, how do you learn how to think like a short filmmaker? <laughs> I know, and I don't mean height challenge filmmaker, obviously. I mean a filmmaker who's making a short film. But th- there is a different mindset between being a feature filmmaker and a short filmmaker. And that's one of the reasons that I talk a lot about the short film world or thinking like a short filmmaker. And basically it means you're not a feature filmmaker and that shorts have their own aesthetic, they have their own world, and you need to appreciate that. Um, And that also features are really hard to make. It takes a lot more money, it takes a lot more favors. Your story and your script have to be structured a lot more. And I just think in general they're harder, where shorts are just a lot more fun, and it's important to realize that. Yeah, they are a lot more fun, and you feel like that when you're watching them. You feel like they they had a good time making it. Sometimes you do, and I like it when that's the feeling you get. Uh, Well, let me ask you, where where do short films play now? Well, that's the beautiful thing. When I first started making short films for the movie channel, we literally just could play the festivals and on our own channel. But now, shorts are absolutely everywhere. They still are in the movie theaters, which is amazing to me that the Academy Award-nominated shorts are always playing right around Academy Award time, and they're always fabulous. So it's extremely wonderful to go support those in the movie theater. They're in festivals, and I highly encourage anyone who wants to make a short to go to and wants to have their short played in the festivals to go to some festivals and watch the kind of shorts they play. And also appreciate these films on the big screen, which is just exciting. You know, you had this idea, you filmed it quickly, and uh, you maybe edited it yourself, and all of a sudden now there's a whole room full of people watching it. Um, So it's a great experience, and I highly suggest people don't skip. But also, some shorts are just better for the Internet. And obviously now in the world of YouTube, there's thousands, millions, trillions, billions of shorts on the Internet. And people drive uh, you know, their audience to see them, right? Is that what they do? Well, that, yeah, that kind of goes back to, in the old days it was, if you build it, they will come. And now you can't just throw up your short on YouTube and say, someone will discover it because there's just so much information out there. So you have to really spend a lot of time convincing people, hey, you should watch my film. And, that, and again, that's what the beauty of social media. You can send out tweets. You can send up a Facebook page. You can tell everybody you know via these new ways that you've made this film and you can watch it right away. 
where before you'd say, oh, I made a film, and everyone said, oh, I'd love to see it, but there was no way they could see it. Now they can yes. send them a link, and they can see it immediately. Right. Um, and does it matter uh, how many fil- uh, times that a uh, film is watched? Does that matter? if, Let's say you make a short and you have it on YouTube and you have maybe 300 views and you're trying to get a job as a filmmaker. I mean, that would that help you or you, do you need 1,000 views? Is there something, some relationship well, even there? Even 1,000 is, <laughs> is nothing. Really that's is, nothing. You know, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that is something. Nothing. If you're wanting to either, like, make money because of ads on the Internet or have someone think of you as a sensation, uh, you really need to talk more like half a million. And really, oh, yeah, no, you need to really have a big momentum behind you. And it is easy for to do behind some of them end up becoming YouTube sensations. People want to share links, and it really does become a huge thing, but that's extremely rare. And if you're worried that uh, you uh, won't have that thing, I'd highly encourage you to have a private uh, link on Vimeo, and then you send people in the industry a private link. So then they know why there's so few viewers is because only those who have been invited to see it can see it. Oh, okay. If you're not going to put the time in to build an audience and drive them to it, use a private link on Vimeo. Although you're still trying to make it seem like, you know, the film is viable. If your film is like four years old and you're just throwing it up because why not? So that that way you can say, hey, see my old work, then, you know, then you are just kind of like, here it is, whatever. I don't care how many people see it. I'm not pretending it's going to become a huge sensation. Right. Well, tell me about distribution for short films. Are there any places where you can distribute your film now? Yeah, there still are. There still are television channels, both in the United States and abroad, mostly foreign, um, where they take short films and they show them on cable or on various television channels. Uh, As I said, the uh, nominated short films get to be distributed in movie theaters, and then those are actually sold on iTunes as well. There's a whole page on iTunes for short films that doesn't have... A lot of them are animation, uh, but a lot of them are films you've never heard of, and they're there, and I highly encourage you to go check them out and buy them because the filmmakers get money. Uh, short films are shown on airlines. You can make money that way as well. But it's not a big money-making prospect. And more people put more time and effort in their short films than they're ever going to earn any of the money back. And very few films get picked up for those kind of arenas. So I don't encourage filmmakers to go into it thinking, I'm going to make money off of my short film and it's going to show up on TV and show on the airlines and iTunes. It's a very small number that that happens for. Well, while we're on this, let's talk about budget. I mean, if you made a, say, five-minute short film, what, what would be an average buzz, budget? That's the great thing about short films. You can spend as much money or as little money as you want. In the old days, when people shot on film, the number of people you tell you is like, oh, 1000 a minute. So if you thought your film was going to be five minutes, you should budget $5,000. But that number is totally not accurate anymore. You can borrow enough stuff and do it where you're paying, you know, only $200 just to feed people and that's it. You could also spend $20,000, you know. There's no way you can define it based on how long your script is or how long your film ends up being. It's really just how many favors you can pull, how much willing, you're willing to spend or not willing to spend. And uh, it's, it's kind of, it always frustrates filmmakers to hear this. But there's no real answer. <laughs> there okay. really isn't. Well, that leaves it open to their creativity, and that's what it's exactly. all about. Make, 
you know, making a film is a creative effort, and it really starts with the budget. This is exactly what I teach people is, you know, it's up to you when you write the script. If you have 50 locations in a five-minute film or 50 shots, you're, you're going to have to spend a lot of time and money doing that. So you write exactly. for the budget to begin with. Well, uh, so... All right. You, on Let's, a similar note to that, though, I saw a short film where it was. They had, it was like a five-minute film, and they had like 50 locations. And because I know, when I was watching it, I was like, this is ridiculous. How did they pay for this? And the way they did it is they made the short film while they were making their feature. So every location they went to for their feature, they shot a little bit of their short film. So for oh, them, the great. short film cost nothing. I know. I was, I was like, that is genius. Um, and yes. Like, yeah, we knew we were going to do it at the same time. So there are oh. ways, but... In general, yeah, I'd be worried about that too. If there were strictly locations, yeah, this is what. They, so they they knew what they were going to do, and they wrote a script to go with it. That's fabulous. Exactly. Yeah, it was wonderful. Well, uh, what was this? The common thread in the shorts uh, that you that led them all to winning awards. The shorts you made. How did they all win awards? Well, they didn't all win awards. Uh, several of them ended up doing very well on the fest. I mean, I made 19 short films, but not all of them uh, won awards. But I will say this. They were all qualified to get Oscar nominations, and none of them got Oscar nominations. So there's really no way that you can tell whether your film is going to be award-winning or not other than to try. So I always recommend to filmmakers, you know, send it off to festivals. The more festivals you play, the more odds you have of winning an award. And, uh, you know, yeah, in one festival, the odds are against you that you're going to win that one. But if you play 30 film festivals, the odds are for you that, you know, maybe somewhere along there you might get something. But there's no guarantee. Uh, and, you know, the short films I made were actually made for this cable channel, FXM, Movies for Fox. And some of those that won awards didn't play that well on the television channel, and the other ones played great on the channel and got all these fan letters written to us about how much they love the short, and they never won an award. So I always stress, you know, don't focus completely on awards. It means something, but it doesn't mean everything. And in general, because I've been on a lot of juries that give awards, I can say that dramas tend to do better than comedies in award situations. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is good information, but and one thing I'd like to know is requirements for a um, for for uh, Oscar nomination. I'm glad you asked that because that's one of the things short filmmakers usually screw up on. One major major thing for the Academy is your film cannot be broadcast on either television or the internet, which they consider a broadcast, before you qualify for an Oscar. So. It, Short filmmakers often shoot themselves in their foot because they've thrown it online, and then they're like, oh, this, I want to qualify for an Oscar, but they did it in reverse. You've got to qualify first. And there's a couple ways you can qualify for an Oscar. Um, one way is you win an award at a festival, uh, and the Academy has on their website a list of the festivals that qualify. So if you win the big prize at that festival, you are automatically qualified for um, Oscar consideration. So that's kind of exciting, but you still have to fill out the paperwork and everything. It's a, it is a paperwork kind of uh, thing, um, but it's very doable. So you can win an award or you can actually um, screen publicly. And the, the Academy website clearly states how to get qualified for an Oscar. But if you think your film has Oscar potential, it's really worth doing it because the odds are better than Sundance. 
Oh, well, that's good to know. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. I would not have thought that they, if you put it on the Internet, you couldn't go for for an Oscar. That's yeah. shocking. Well, that's good yeah. information. Now, I want to talk about Chapter 5 of your book, Making It Big and Shorts. And, and so let's cover one of your seven secrets for success. Yeah, I have a lot of, like, mantras that I believe in for short filmmakers that I kind of try to drill into their head all the time. And when I'm teaching, they always leave and then later go back and say, oh, that was so helpful to me. So um, one of the, the very first one of my secrets is this concept of you are the studio. When you make a short film, you are the production studio, the movie studio. You get to choose everything about the short film from the script to the casting to how much you're going to spend on the budget to how you're going to market it to which festivals you're going to send it to to what the poster looks like. You get to choose absolutely everything. And so then a lot of short filmmakers ask me all the time, well, what should I do with this and what should I do with that? And the answer is you are a studio. You get to decide all of that. I don't know the answer. Only you know who's right for your studio. And when you make decisions, you should just move forward confidently in the same way a studio does with, I'm sure this is going to be a blockbuster film and I'm releasing it. So if you think that way, you are the studio. You don't have as many hesitations, and you can make decisions that are appropriate for your particular project. Absolutely right. Well, you're running your own business. Filmmakers have to have to realize that they're now entrepreneurs. Exactly, and you know, money is serious. You're seriously raising money for this. You're seriously spending money for it. There can be lawsuits when things go wrong. It's not just you know, hey, we're making a film. <laughs> no, it's, we're making a film. Do we need insurance? And who's going to solve our? Do you have a lawyer? And do you have insurance? Those are the things. Exactly. Really... <laughs> and those are, you know, obviously the less sexy things that nobody wants to talk about. Um, yeah. But all and doing paperwork properly and getting releases and all that is very, you know, it sounds boring and mundane. But that's what a studio is as well. It's not just movie stars walking around. Oh, but, you know, Kim, getting releases is such an important thing. We've got to talk about that because too many people that make features even don't get releases, and then they go to sell their film, and they don't have a chain of title. Exactly. And they're like, what's chain of title? <laughs> or they're like, oh, right. my best friend stars in it. She doesn't mind. It's like, uh, but I, she's traveling in India right now, and I can't reach her. Yeah, do it all right the first time. Exactly. So everybody, you have to have a contract or an agreement with everybody. They have to sign exactly. off, don't they? Very much so. Yeah, I think that's the secret to getting the paperwork right. But the yeah. other secret to films that we mentioned earlier, but I really want to get into it now, is Chapter 6, you talk about sound is as important as picture. So um, what's your advice on achieving this? I, I'm so glad that you agree with me about sound because people will forgive a lot about the picture quality. And you can't, mm -hmm. as a filmmaker, you can't really control the picture quality that much, but you can completely control the sound. And viewers will be, that's what makes films feel amateurish, really, if the uh, audio is terrible. And good audio adds so much. If filmmakers could hear pre sweetened audio and then audio that has actually gone through post at the end, they would be blown away at the difference it can make to their film. So you got to do good sound while you're filming so that you don't have to spend a lot of money later trying to fix it in post. And when you're filming, pay attention to sound. People just spend so much time worrying about what the camera sees and they ignore the sound person. And the sound person will say, well, the plane went over and they're like, well, we're rushed. We don't have time. We'll fix it later. 
like they should listen as much to their sound person on set as they listen to their cinematographer. You know, in France, um, one of my friends is a, um, he's a director producer and um, he gets on the camera actually as the director, he runs the camera. So he knows if he's got the shot and he has the earphone so he can tell if the sound is correct. I mean, they don't take any chances. You have to wear the earphones. Really, you need to listen because it's not what you're hearing, Mike, is different from what you're hearing just standing there. Exactly. You have to have the earphones. Well done. Well, um, give us some guidance on funding your short. As you <laughs> mentioned before, it's, it's a key key thing to decide on what your budget is. I mean, obviously, talking to you, I'm preaching to the choir here about funding being so important. You are the queen of funding. But oh, well, I thank say, you. What, I used to, um, that used to be the number one question people would ask me all the time. Like, how do I get money for a short film? Always. But that's kind of dropped off lately because of crowdfunding. Now so many people do crowdfunding to get money for their shorts because it's less money for a short, obviously. I mean, you, it's, you can't raise a million dollars crowdfunding, although some people can, but most people can't. But you can raise $1,000 crowdfunding for your short film. So mostly short filmmakers have kind of embraced crowdfunding, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, et cetera, as funding. Mm-hmm. That really makes it easy because then people all over the country can donate. And I also yeah. think that funding parties is another way to go. Bring and all your friends in and have a party. Exactly. And that's, it doesn't have to be just give me money via social via uh, uh, the computer. You can think of different ways to do it in person, and I think parties are a great way of doing it. And people love it. You too. It's fun and they're excited, and then they can promote that they're going to their friend, the filmmaker's party, and then when people say it next day at work, what'd you do? They love to be able to say, oh, my friend Susan, who's a filmmaker, had this great party, and I gave money to help with a short, et cetera. Yeah, then you're, you're pitching that film for that filmmaker. I think that's the important thing to do. Exactly. Well, all right, but I will let's also talk about say, um, yeah. oh, sorry. Yes. I, I will also say I am a big believer in making a short film for the money that you have. If you really only have a thousand dollars, you know, which is still a lot of money for a lot of people for a short, that's what you should make your short film for. You shouldn't pine forever for twenty thousand dollars to get, you know, if I could only get twenty thousand, then I would make a short. Uh, that's like feature film mentality. Feature film mentality is I need to raise two million, and I can't make this film until I raise two million. Short filmmaking and, is how much skin do you have right now? Let's make a short for that. <laughs> yes. No, that's exactly what you want. What can I make it for? I've got the budget. Let's just do it. Well, you will t- trim the budget to meet the money you have available. And that's how you will actually make a short, as opposed to just talking about it forever. Right. Well, let's give uh, give us some production pitfalls to avoid. Well, we've covered sound, which is, you know, is my number one thing. And uh, we talked about acting as well, which is the other thing I think people really uh, fall apart. And it's not even not hiring good actors, but that they're paying attention to everything else on the set, uh, like the props or the wardrobe or how the camera moves, and they're not paying attention to the actors. Uh, And I have a quote in the book from a filmmaker friend of mine, which I just adore, where he's like, directors sometimes focus so much on the background and the props and then the acting is terrible, and when people see the short, they say they never say a short had terrible acting, but the props were excellent. 
<laughs> so I think that's such a good question. But the props were excellent. Um, <laughs> Oh so, uh, yeah, but look, looks do count. And the number one advice I always give people, uh, and it just happened again recently, a week ago, I watched somebody's web series, no white walls. You tend to shoot in your own apartment or a friend's apartment, which tend to have white walls. And yes. white walls look terrible on film. It looks so cheap and makes everything look really kind of tinny, and uh, it's a mistake. So anything you can do to shoot where there isn't white walls or cover the walls with enough background so that doesn't look bad on camera. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a very good tip. Well, tell us about your book and where people can find it. The third edition is due out January uh, 2017. Yeah, it's called Making It Big in Shorts, The Ultimate Filmmaker's Guide to Short Films. And so the second edition is still out, and uh, you will appreciate one of the main reasons why I wanted to update it is because it didn't address crowdfunding. It was written before the whole Kickstarter part happened. So I felt strongly like I really need to, it was five years ago that the last edition was out. I really needed to update it. So the newest edition will come out in January, and we made it a lot shorter because I think it's important to just kind of get to the point. Plus, as you know, my big mantra is shorter, faster, cheaper. Um, so the new <laughs> book will come out, <laughs> and I believe that for the book as well. So the book will come out in January, but the old version still works and is still helpful. Oh, I'm sure it does. I've, uh, that's what I've been reading, and I loved it. I found so many important pieces of information and so much good guidance on producing the film. So where can they find well, this you. book? Well, it should be available in bookstores near you, but, of course, bookstores uh, near you are not as common as they used to be. So I guess the better answer is just Amazon. It's on Amazon. Amazon. Okay. And what, if people want to reach you, how do they find you? I'm on Twitter, so I'm just at Kim Edelman at Twitter. Kim Edelman, A-D-E-L-M-A-N. Perfect. Good. All right, so thank you so much, Kim. We really appreciate your information, and nice to meet you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Claire. You're welcome. Thank you, Kim. Take good care, everyone. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. <laughs>